0: Can you stand to your feet? We're going to jump into 2nd Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5, um, verse 9, where we're picking up, we're talking about Naaman. Uh, a little context about Naaman. He is a five-star general um, in the Syrian army. It says in scripture that uh, God had many victories through Naaman, that Naaman was one who was, who was able to really defeat many foes and It was really, uh, really well known in the area in Israel. All of that known world, Naaman was known. And he has this uh, condition. He is a five-star general, but he has this condition uh, called leprosy. Um, If you don't know what leprosy is, it's a condition that uh, starts as this maybe a couple spots on your skin that then turns into boils that then eventually turns into this cracked skin uh, that dead skin type that literally takes over the entire body before, sh- uh, before shutting down um, the uh, in- internal organs. And in really, leprosy is just a ticking time bomb because back in that time when you got it, uh, the, the illness was slow, but the certainty was death. People knew that if you had leprosy, there was no cure. Um, There was no way for it to to be removed from your body. And so Naaman's living his life as a five-star general, as a champion, but he knows his days are numbered because he has leprosy, the disease. And that's where we pick up in chapter 9. So in chapter 9, it says, uh, so Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. Now he's looking for treatment. He's looking for, for prayer. And he's heard about this prophet Elisha. So he goes to Elisha. But it says, but Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times. Everybody say seven times. in the Jordan River, then your skin will be restored and you'll be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. He said, I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. He's Naaman, guys. Everybody knows who Naaman is. He said, I thought he would come out to meet me. He said, I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus and Abana and Farfar better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned away in a rage. Has God's direction ever made you angry a little bit? Have you ever prayed to God, like, God, I need a financial breakthrough, and God's like, okay, then you need to stop eating out every meal, or you need to stop uh, buying new shoes every month. And like, God, like, that's not the direction I was expecting. Like, I was expecting a coin in a fish's mouth to show up at my front door, right? That's a whole lot easier in the direction you have, and so he's angry at the direction that the Lord has given him. It says in verse 13, but his officers tried to reason with him and said, sir... If the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply go, wash, and be cured. It's funny because sometimes the most greatest important achievements we could ever accomplish starts off with simple decisions. Sometimes we get so ahead of ourselves and try to start with the complicated. But if there's something that God's speaking to us tonight, is let's start with the simple. Let's just start with the basics. Let's start with this, the things that God is asking us to do and not worry about the complicated. It's in the simple things that lead to the significant breakthroughs in our life. Verse 14, this is where we're going to end. It says, so Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Come on, give God glory if he's ever healed you from anything tonight. This past Sunday uh, was an awesome service. Who enjoyed this past Sunday. It wasn't an awesome service. Pastor Kale brought an awesome word, and, and one of the things he spoke on was obedience and And when he was talking about obedience, this is really when the word got planted in my heart. Because, see, if you don't know, um, these Wednesday nights are called deeper services because we're going to go deeper in his presence. But we're also going to go deeper in what was talked about on Sunday. And when he started to talk about obedience, God began to plant some things in my heart. And then this title popped up into my my spirit. And this is the title for tonight. And turn to your neighbor and say, the overflow of obedience. The overflow of obedience of obedience. Come on, let's pray over this service together. Father, we thank you right now for gathering us tonight, that we are here to go closer to your son, that we are here, God, not to just focus on ourselves. We're not here to be entertained. We're not here, Father, for just to take up time and check it off a religious list. No, God, we are here to go closer to you tonight. We are here to go closer to your spirit tonight. We're here, Father, for breakthroughs, God, to to bring down barriers, God, to break down strongholds. We are here, Father, so we can see, God, the the, the best that you have for us take place in our life. We are are here, God, begin we have hunger we are here god because we have thirst for the righteousness that you offer father so have your way in this place tonight we give you all the glory and the praise and everybody says amen amen come on give jesus a hand clap of praise one more time y'all can be seated y'all can be seated thank y'all for standing for the reading of god's word um if you don't know this um i have uh four uh, nieces and nephews. We have three nephews and one niece, and also we have a baby on the way, everybody. Uh, we, have, we have a baby we want to do in January, um, but one of my nephews, his name is Xander. He's one of the cutest little things you'll ever meet. I think he's about two years old, two and a half, and we're actually at his two-year-old birthday party, and it was just, had such a great time with family, and, and one of the things that my little nephew got, uh, he got his first ever scooter, This, like, little scooter, you know, um, that had, like, four wheels so you couldn't, you know, fall off easily. But it was this little scooter, and he was so excited about it, and he just wanted to ride away to start riding on it. You know, he's two, so he doesn't know how, you know, to ride it. So I just began to take the time with him and begin to show him how to ride uh, this little scooter. And it was amazing to me because he was just so, like, observant and obedient, and he wanted to soak in every word I had to say. And at first I started with him and was like, okay, Xander, now all I want you to do is just hang on to the scooter and I'll push you so you can learn how to steer. And so he's steering and I'm pushing him and he's steering. Like, okay, now, Xander, I want you, I'm going to help you. We're going to push with our foot. Remember, just one foot, push with one foot and we'll go around so that way you can go. And Xander began doing it. And within five minutes of me just giving him simple instructions, he learned how to ride that scooter and he was going everywhere in like five minutes. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, this dude is a genius. But what I realized is he was just so obedient. Like, there's something about when you are at that age of this two years old, like, you're not thinking in your head, like, how can I, you know, come with a different argument? You're not thinking in your head, oh, I know more than this guy. Like, when you're at that age, you just want to obey. You just want to be obedient. You just want to learn. You're like a sponge. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what happens at the teenage years. But there is a switch that takes place, right? There's a switch of being so obedient and compliant and submissive, and there's a switch, and then all of a sudden, that's flip, and maybe if you raise a teenager, you might know it, there's a something that happens, maybe even overnight, that all of a sudden, they know everything now, right? And obedience becomes so much harder, and obedience becomes so much more like, well, you know what, do I really have to do it that way, or, or you know what, maybe I know more than you, and... And if some reason, what was so simple, what was so easy to be obedient when we're at our young age becomes such a hard, complicated thing when we get older, right? We begin to get prideful. We begin to think we get uh, smart enough to not have to listen to everybody. And so we begin to get very, very hard at just being simply obedient to what is told to us because we begin to think that we know everything that's going on and, And this is really kind of the story of Naaman, because Naaman is the general in the army. He is used to giving orders. He is used to knowing the answers. He is used to everybody listening to him and him not listening to anybody else. And so he almost misses out on his breakthrough because he was almost unwilling to be obedient. He was almost unwilling to follow instruction. He was almost unwilling to to step into God's best because he wanted his idea to be his instruction to follow through. Now, I know we're all perfect people in this house. I mean, none of us struggle with following instruction, okay? But if you relate to this, then you know that obedience can be really hard when you begin to think you have things figured out. Naaman began to think he had everything figured out. He began to think that he had everything um, all together. And we might look at Naaman and say, shame on Naaman, right? How could you not just follow simple instructions like, All Elisha was saying is you just have to dip seven times in a lake and you will get out of that water healed and made whole. But then it came to me But there's so many simple instructions that we look at in Scripture each and every day that could be our breakthrough. That could be something that makes depression leave our lives or anxiety leave our hearts. It's so simple, but for some reason we do not want to follow. And we think that we have better ideas or we have better Things to do with our time, and it's a simple obedience that I believe leads to those big breakthroughs in our lives. So when the title for tonight is The Overflow of Obedience. Now, I believe the definition of overflow is this, is that you become so saturated with something that you begin to affect the others around you that it begins to spill on the others around you. Like you become so saturated with the joy of the Lord in your heart that all of a sudden it begins to overflow on the others around you and you begin to live in the overflow. Because I don't know about you, but when I step into a room, I want to live in the overflow where my joy now spreads into their joy and my peace now spreads into their peace and that now the people around my family can benefit just because I choose to be obedient and live in the overflow. This right. because I choose to be obedient and follow the instructions that God has for us. So what we're going to jump into tonight is that we're going to look at what Naaman was doing and what was going through his mind and we're going to see how can we live in the overflow? How can we live in a sense uh, of life with Jesus to where every step that we take, every decision that we make, we want to be in the one of obedient to God's voice. Because when we're obedient to him, that's when we live and the overflow, so are you ready for tonight riverside church we're going to jump into it so in verse eleven you know elisha tells naaman he, he, he tells him that uh, all you have to do is dip yourself seven times in the in the Jordan River all you have to do is just do something so simple and yet something so extraordinary would come out of it and sometimes that can get in our head sometimes when we think about God we can over over really exaggerate we can make it over complicated when it comes to the will of God sometimes we can think well breakthrough might have to do things that are so big and so broad and and something that seems so difficult and really breakthrough in our lives can be so simple when we're falling after God it can be something that is so easy to understand but when he told this to Naaman it says that in verse 11 Naaman got angry it says this in verse 11 It says, but Naaman became angry and stalked away. He said, I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. Everybody say me. He said, I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. He said, I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Everybody say me. Let me paint you a picture of Naaman in that moment, right? Naaman is so used to the world revolving around him Naaman was so used to the idea that he was the one to give instruction, not receive instruction. Naaman was so used to always giving orders that the moment that something didn't go according to his plan, he said, what's going on, right? Obviously, something's not right if it's not going according to my plan. Obviously, something's not right if it's not all about me. See, just as much as Naaman suffered from leprosy, I believe he suffered from even a greater disease of pride, right? I think that Naaman was suffering something on the inside that was holding him back from getting what was going to be the healing on the outside. A lot of times we are struggling with something maybe in the physical, but we don't realize that it has spiritual roots that really what we are dealing with. That a lot of times before we can see the breakthrough in the physical, we first have to focus on the root, and that's in the spiritual, Sometimes before we can have a breakthrough in us having the right relationships, we first have to focus on ourselves instead of blaming everybody else, right? Before we can see a breakthrough in our finances, we first have to focus on our motives. What what are we doing with our time? What are we doing with our stewardship before we see the breakthrough in the physical? So Naaman, he's struggling with his pride. He thinks that he knows all the answers, and, and he's thinking that he should be the one to Elisha to approach him, right? He shouldn't be having to be this weighted by somebody in between, that he should be met on every need, and he, he's struggling with that idea. He's getting offended in himself. The greatest sign of pride is always offense. It's always offense, because what does offense say? How could that person say that about me? Right. Don't they know who I am or how could that person do that to me? Don't they know who I am? Right. Pride always. Right. Has I in the middle. Pride is always about ourselves. Pride is always about saying what don't they know who I am is always offended in every way. You might be saying, what do you mean I have to take growth track before I can serve in a, in a team? Don't you know who I am? I've heard that one before. <laughs> what do you mean i got to get off my seat for a first-time guest? Don't you know who I am? See, I, I've heard that one before. See, always the root of pride is always offense. It's always saying, don't you know who I am? Don't you know what I'm capable of? Don't you know who I am? And what we don't realize is that pride is holding us back from being obedient that that pride is stopping us from saying yes to God that Naaman could have easily said this guy doesn't know who I am obviously this guy doesn't know what who I am and what I'm capable of and because of that I'm not going to listen to him and he could have been offended and he could have lived with leprosy and died with leprosy as well but he didn't let his pride get in the way of his obedience he 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 saw and realized that maybe he could be obedient to the prophet and that's how he received his miracle it reminds me of Matthew 23 12 that says all those who exalt themselves will be humbled right but those who humble themselves will be exalted I believe this anybody who walks in pride will see the fall but anybody who brings themselves as last will see themselves first in the will of God And so he exalted himself, and and so he decided, you know what, I'm going to humble myself this time. And that really what leads to point number one for tonight is this, is that pride can override obedience, or obedience can override pride. Pride can override obedience, or obedience can override pride. See, you know how you can defeat pride in your life? You know how you can defeat that sense of really selfishness maybe that we deal with is just being obedient to God I've realized that there is nothing more humbling than by just saying yes to Jesus saying yes to his will by just saying God I submit to you God I put down my will and I pick up yours God I I, I put down my ideas and I pick up your instruction just by us saying yes to Jesus you know what we're doing we are breaking down we are chipping away at the flesh we are chipping away at pride because you know what irritates the ego the most? By submitting to somebody's authority. That is what irritates the ego the most. That's what irritates your pride the most. When you say, God, you know what? I have these ideas. I I think I have this direction, but I put down my will, God, and I follow after you, and I submit myself to your authority, and that irritates the enemy. Can I just say that much? That irritates the ego. That irritates your pride, and that builds up your humility that is on the inside of you. So when we submit to when we submit to God it's a lot of times we we think that submitting to God is just by submitting to uh, the things we agree with, right? Like God, I'll submit to everything that I agree with you about. like God, I will submit to the things that I think is a good idea in my mind as well, but that's not true submittance. True submittance to God is saying, Father, I really don't know why you're doing this, and I really don't understand why you're doing it, but I'm going to follow you anyways. I'm going to be obedient to your will anyways. I'm going to say yes to your name anyways. I I might not know exactly what is going on, and Naaman was saying this in his mind. He's saying, what do you mean i got to dip myself seven times in the Jordan River? That makes zero sense. A lot of times being obedient to God will make zero sense to your flesh. A lot of times being obedient to God will make zero sense to your friends around you, you're going to say, what you're going to do, you're going to go to church how many times a week? What you're, what you're going to do, what, what? It will make zero sense to the world. And can I be honest with you? That's a good indication that you're going in the right direction. That's a great indication that you're doing something that God wants you to do when the enemy's confused. When the enemy doesn't understand what's going on. When the enemy is saying, what are they doing? That's when you know you're doing something powerful. It's when you're falling after God and you're submitting to his authority. And so Naaman, he he is a man of authority, but in this lesson, he is submitting to the authority of God, and he's submitting to the prophet, and he's being obedient to his word. Then it says in verse 12, it says, aren't the rivers of Damascus, the the Abana and the the Farpar, better than any of the rivers of Israel? He said, why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? See, now Naaman is this. now he's just being spiteful. He's saying, I'm too good for th- this water, right? I, I, if I was going to dip in the pool, let me go back to the hot tub I just came from. And that would have been better than this, any rivers in Israel. So, so it says, so Naaman turned and went away in rage. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply. Everybody say simply. Go and wash and be cured. See, Naaman came into this situation with an idea of how everything was gonna work out. I don't know about you, but I go into a lot of situations when it comes to things of life, and I have an idea of how it's gonna work out. And nine times out of nine, it doesn't work out about the idea yeah, about how that would work out, right? But Naaman had this idea, he said, I'm going to step up to the prophet Elisha, he's going to roll down this red carpet in front of me, he's going to walk down and kneel before me and say, I am glad to be in your presence, almighty and let me heal you of your leprosy, right? That was his idea of how it was going to work out, but he says, what I'm supposed to dip myself in the water of the rivers of Israel seven times to receive my healing. It, it it was, it was so out of the ordinary. It was so not according to plan. It was not the outcome that he saw and envisioned. It wasn't what he thought, and it was something so simple that he thought it wasn't be something that was going to work for him. So, Naaman, he, he struggled with obeying. He, he struggled with obeying and saying yes to what the prophet Elisha had to say to him because he had this idea of how he was supposed to do it. I think a lot of times we we, we see maybe the the end goal, right? Naaman saw the end goal, right, was for him to be healed from leprosy. That was his outcome, and so he built his own path. He, he said, I'm gonna do one, two, three, A, B, C, right? I'm gonna do this major, then I'm going to get this job, and then I'm going to receive that promotion, and then by the time I'm 40, I'm going to retire, right? We all have the same one, two, three, and A, B, C. We see this footpath, and we see the outcome, and we try to make our own plans to that way, but every time God gives us uh, direction and instruction, it always seems like it's way out of line with what we would have said. It always seems like, no, God, I'm trying to get here. I'm trying to get to this place. How am I supposed to get there? By going all this route that you have for me. Naaman was saying, how am I supposed to get healed by just dipping in this pool seven times? That makes zero sense. That doesn't make any sense to me. How am I I supposed to get, yeah, his outcome, he wanted to be healed. And so did God wanting them to be healed. But he had a different way of getting there. But Naaman put down what he saw as a way to get to the outcome he wanted, and instead he just obeyed. That's point two for tonight is this, is don't chase outcomes. Everybody say outcomes. Don't chase outcomes, chase obedience. Don't chase outcomes, chase obedience. Don't look at your five-year plan and say, God, I want to get here and make all those decisions along that plan with what you see the outcome to be if you just chase solely that outcome, if Naaman would have said, I just want to get healed, that's my goal, he would have avoided the path that God wanted him to go down. He would say, it doesn't look like me dipping seven times in the, in the rivers of Israel. It doesn't look like me doing this or doing that. No, it looks like me, all these scenarios that he had in his mind, and he would have missed out on his breakthrough. If there's something that I have learned is Is that every time I make a plan and I I, I see where God is wanting me to go and I try to configure my steps and and I try to configure the process, there always comes where there's a fork in the road. There's always comes to say, God, I feel you leading me this way, but man, it looks so much better going this way, right? Like, God, I see you telling me to do this. I, I'm, maybe, God, I see you telling me to take this opportunity or to start this business or to write that book or, I, or to, to give this much to this charity. God, I see what you want me to do, but it doesn't look like how I wanted to go. It doesn't look like the process I wanted to go down. But every time, instead of us choosing to chase after the outcome, what I've realized, if we just chase after obedience, we're going to get to where God wants us to go, Right? If every time instead of us saying, God, I'm trying to chase after, right, the carrot that is in front of me, we're going to stumble every time that we try to go at the speed we're trying. But say, God, I just want to chase obedience. I'm not worried about the five years from now. I'm not worried about the 10 years from now. I'm not worried about all the the large outcome on the other side. I'm just worried about being obedient right now, God. So, God, you want me to dip seven times in the Jordan River? Guess what? I'm going to dip seven times in the Jordan River. God, you want me to do something out of the ordinary? You want me to approach my co-worker who I never talked to or I think is rude and tell him about Jesus? Guess what? I'm going to be obedient and talk to Jesus about that co-worker, right? Because there's going to be times you're saying, God, this doesn't make sense. But it's not about chasing the outcome. It's chasing obedience. So, God, I just want to be obedient to you. I just want to follow after what you have for me today. I want to be obedient to what you have for me. And I'll receive the outcome that he has. because see, God God wanted Naaman to be healed, right? He wanted Naaman to be healed. He had that desire. It was God's will for Naaman to be healed. But if Naaman would have disobeyed his instruction, he would have never been healed. And it wouldn't have been God's fault, let me tell you that. Because a lot of times we say our will sometimes or most times it lines up with God's will. We say, God, I do see this that you have this for me. God, I see, do see that you have this. I do see where, where you're taking me. But if we do not follow the instruction that he has for us, we're going to miss out on it, and it's not going to be because of God. If Naaman would have never been healed, and if he would have said, I'm not dipping seven times in that river. No, I'm going back to the hot tub. I'm not listening to this crazy prophet. He would have never been healed. But see, it was by him, instead of chasing after the outcome, he chased after the obedience. That's what allowed him to receive his breakthrough. So I don't know where everybody is at tonight. I don't know what you see as God's promise or purpose on your heart, or the direction where you feel like he's going. But let me encourage you with this. Know that without a shadow of a doubt that there's going to come a time, a moment, just like Naaman, where God's going to give you instruction and you're going to say, that's a little crazy, right? There's going to come a moment where God's going to give you instruction and it's going to question uh, your your really faith of following after him. It's going to question your confidence in God's calling in your life. It's going to question so many things. Say, God, really? This huge outcome that I have in my mind, this huge promise that I have in my mind is going to be accomplished by doing something so simple like this. So simple, maybe even if it's just being kinder to my coworkers or so simple as maybe just praying to, about the, the future that you have for me. Say, so yes, something that simple By obedience. Everybody say obedience. Obedience. Something that simple by obedience can lead to that great outcome that God has for you. But if Naaman would have never listened to what God had for him, if, if Naaman would have never listened to the instruction, he would have been left behind in the outcome. He would have been left behind in the purpose that God has for him. That's why obedience is so important. That's why obedience leads to the overflow because it has nothing to do about us And it has everything to do about God. It has nothing to do about us having this great scheme, having this great plan. Because I'm sure Naaman was a mastermind when it came to making battle plans, right? Naaman was a great champion. He was a a great leader. I'm sure he was a planner and a schemer. But it had nothing to do about his plans and schemes that led him to being healed from his leprosy. It had nothing to do about his ideas. It had nothing to do about, about how much Uh, wisdom or how much knowledge he had it just had something as simply as obedience here's the encouragement in that because you might be in this house tonight and you say well you know what I'm not that great Uh, I'm not like Naaman I don't have these great ideas or I don't have all these these great victories guess what you don't need those things all you need is obedience you don't have to have all the talent. You don't have to have all the skills. You don't have to have all these things, these accolades. You don't have to have the alphabet behind your name, okay? All you have to have is obedience and follow after God. And let me tell you something. We can change this world together for Jesus. It's by obedience alone. Amen? It says in verse 14, So Naaman finally gives in in verse 14. It says, so Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times. As the man of God had instructed, everybody say instructed, had instructed him to do. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. He was healed. So Naaman, he had all these ideas, right, about how everything was going to work out. He had all these ideas about maybe how he should be healed, and he was confused. He he was challenged. His ego was challenged when he got the instruction from the prophet. His pride was challenged. He said, you know, I don't really agree with this uh, strategy, God, right? Has anybody ever been there before? God has ever told you before, like, God, I don't agree with that strategy, okay? Like, I don't really agree with, you know, I don't really know where you're going with this, right? Naaman was saying, I don't really agree with this strategy about dipping myself seven times in the Jordan River, but Naaman put down his pride, he put down his ego, he put down all these things he thought he knew better of, he put it down, and like a child, he just picked up the obedience. And like a child, he said, I'm just going to follow after what, my, well, after what my father says, I'm just going to follow after what he has for me, and he trusted God, he trusted what he had for him. You know if I put myself in Naaman's shoes and, and I'm thinking to myself seven times in the Jordan River, why not just one time, right? Because that seems like a waste of time, right? Seven times. Or what does that configure? Or what does that look like? To me, what Naaman was doing required a lot of trust in the instruction from God. Because Naaman could have stepped into that river one time and said, okay, look, I at least need to see like one scale fall off my body before I do it again, Right? Like, I need, like, a process. I don't know about you. I'm a process guy, okay? Like, I need to see some progress to trust the process, if that's that's what I'm trying to say. Like, God, I'm falling after you. I need to see some things. I need some improvement. God, give me something to know I'm going in the right direction. But it wasn't until after seven times of dipping in the river, then he was completely healed. See, that takes so much trust. That takes so much, God, I put my will down, I pick up yours. I'm trusting, God, this process that you have for me. Point three for tonight is this, like, our tribute to God, what, what we give to God together when it comes to obedience is our trust, and that's point three, is that our trust is our tribute. Our trust is our tribute to God's plan. All really God was doing, I know, look, God's will is, is greater than ours, but I also think he has a sense of humor, Okay. I think God was just saying, I'm going to see if this guy trusts me or not. I could just tell him, dip one time and you're good. No, seven times. Get in there. You're going to get real wet, right? <laughs> like, this dude a saying, It might be a waste of time, but you're trusting me, right? You're trusting what I have to say. I'm going to see how much you trust me. That's, that's really the greatest sign of honor and respect to God is saying, God, I trust you. I trust whatever you have for me, God. I, I trust to follow after this instruction, even though... I don't understand it, or even though it might seem like a waste of time, even though it might seem like, God, I don't really know what all of this is coming, but God, I trust what you have for me. That is the greatest sign of of respect and honor to God, saying, God, I trust you way more than I trust myself. I trust your direction way more than I trust my own ideas, than my own insight, than my own knowledge. I trust after you. That is the greatest tribute that we can give to God, is our trust. Even Jesus dealt with this in the Garden of Gethsemane. Of all people, Jesus dealt with this. He was praying. See, Jesus knew exactly the price was going to be paid. Jesus knew every whip, every gnashing that he was going to approach on Calvary. Jesus knew everything that was going to take place. He knew it all at the Garden of Gethsemane. And he could have easily said, you know what, I'm going to back out of this, God. You know what, this seems uh, something that's too extreme, this some, too painful. But in the garden of Gethsemane, he said, God, not my will be done, but your will be done. He said, God, I, I, I even Jesus, he said, God, I, I don't really understand all that's going on, but I trust you. I trust after you. I trust what you have for me. I trust that what your will is is so much greater than anything that I could ever conspire in my mind. See, really, that's what I say to myself a lot when I get confused about God's will. I'm like, well, he is God, you know, right? He knows way better than me, you know, so I need to humble myself right now and just follow after what he has us and what he's directing me to do. God knows so much more. See, God, when he gives us instruction, he's not just thinking about this moment. He's not just thinking about tomorrow. He's in the five years from now. He's from in the ten years from now. He's in your grandchildren's lives right now as we speak. So you don't know if your decision, even just to pray, your decision, even just to honor God, could be affecting generations to come. God sees the full picture. God sees the scope of everything. And our tribute to God, what we are just meant to do, say, God, I trust you. I I trust you, God. I'm going to be obedient to you. I'm going to follow after your will. I'm going to... Follow after the things that you have for me. I'm not going to be distracted by the, all the thoughts that I have. I'm not going to be distracted by saying, well, maybe, God, I have a better idea or a better strategy. No, God, I trust you. I trust to follow after you. I trust to say yes to your name. I, I trust you, God. That is supposed to be where we're going to live as, as followers of, after Christ. And saying, God, each and every day. There has to be a decision that we make that says, God, I trust you. Each and every day, there has to be a decision there that says, God, I was wanting to do this. Okay, don't get me wrong, but I trust you. I'm going to do that, right? There has to be a decision each and every day saying, God, I'm, God I want to trust after you. Because here's the thing. If your trust is not being challenged, maybe you're not falling after what God has for you. There has to be things in, in your life that saying, God, I trust you. I'm, I'm stepping out by faith. Because God's will will ne- not always line up with your will. God's will will not always line up with what is most, most uh, the convenient and, and best thing that you have in mind. Right. Sometimes God makes it work out like, thank you, Jesus, right? That was easy and your will, right? But it's not always like that. Sometimes say, God, this is a challenge. This is tough, but I trust you. God, this is something that I don't understand, but I trust you. God, this is something that I wouldn't have thought of doing, but I trust you. God, this is something that I know that people are going to call me crazy, but I trust you. God, this is something that I know that might take away time or take away things from my life that I thought I needed. But God, I trust you. And that's when it comes down to it. Naaman trusted what God had for him. He put down his pride and he put, put down his ego and he said, God, I trust you. And he was obedient. And that's when he received his miracle. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet tonight. I'm closing. I'm closing tonight. I'm going to close with a story that that really was something that spoke to me so strongly. When I was thinking about naming, I was like, man, I've been naming so many times, right? When I was reading that story, man, there's been so many times when I thought, God, I had a better plan. There's been so many times where I was like, God, I thought that I knew what was going on, but Thank you, Jesus, that I chose to follow after you. I'm so thankful that I chose to say yes to you. There was a time when I was going to uh, Bible college, and long story short, for the first three months or so, I wasn't really going all in for Jesus. I I wasn't doing all that I really could do. Um, It really came to a point where I was going to a church service, you know, I was maybe 30% 30% into, you know, what God had to me. I was maybe 30% into the effort, into the faith, into the trust and devotion. And, and I remember going to a church service here at this Bible school, and, and the president of the, of the, of the whole uh, Bible college, um, you know, she saw me walking by. She said, come here, Caleb. So I went there, and she's so sweet. She began to encourage me, and she began to say, I'm so glad you chose to come to this Bible college. I'm so glad you, you chose to say yes to Jesus But then she switched the tone real quickly, guys. She switched the tone really quickly. And she pointed that finger at me. And she said, but I see you doing so much more. I see you doing so much more for Jesus. I see you accomplishing so much for God. And she said, and why you're not doing it right now, I don't know. She said, why you're not stepping out by faith right now, I don't know. But she said, said, if you don't do it now, you're going to miss it. And that hit me like a rock. I said, God, you can't be more clear than that. And I put down my pride. I put down my ego because at that time, what I had envisioned for my life wasn't what God had envisioned for my life. I was falling after a different plan, after a different purpose. But I realized that, God, I'm going to put that down. And I remember saying this. I said, God, even if I have to let the dreams that I thought I had or even have to let down these things, even have to let down this future five-year plan, I'm a big planner. Even if I have to let that down, God, I'm going to put it all down. I want to be obedient to you. And after doing that, it was like there was a switch or something. It was like God realized that He could trust. And all of a sudden, I realized that God saw. Now, realize, this is what the overflow looks like. This is what being obedient God looks like. Is that when we follow after Him, there's fruit to be had. When we follow after Him, there's breakthroughs to be had. When we follow after Him, there's miracles to walk through. There's restoration. There's transformation. That when we say yes to Jesus and we put down our plans and we put down our pride. There's breakthrough on the other side. I want to close with a scripture, Jeremiah 7.23. Jeremiah 7.23. The prophet said, but this is what I commanded them to say, saying, obey. Everybody say obey. He said, obey my voice, and I will be your God. He said, obey my voice, and I will be your God. And that hit me so hard because maybe the... The definition of what our gods are in this life is who we choose to obey, who we choose to submit to, who we choose to trust, who we choose to say, I'm, I'm giving my obedience to them. Whoever we choose to trust with our time, talent, treasure, can I say this? That is who your God is. Is it, is it your job? Is it, is it your work? Is it people? But God said, obey my voice, and I will be your God. And you shall be my people. And you will walk in all the ways that I have commanded you, and that it may be well. Everybody say, well. With you. I believe that the key for us is to do each and every day, because sometimes we can get caught up in tomorrow. Sometimes we can get caught up in the complicated. Sometimes we can get caught up in the stock market. It's going crazy. The economy is crashing. The, if I talk to people who are outside, really living in the world, they're telling me it's doomsday coming up, right? And sometimes, I'm like, okay, I need to start planning, right? I need to start planning for it. And we get so complicated, I just realize, I just got to be obedient to my God. I just got to be obedient to the voice of God. I just got to make sure that each and every morning that I wake up, I say, God, how can I follow after you today? God, what is your instruction for this moment? How can I submit myself to your authority? God, how can I say yes to you today? And if we just focus on obedience, that's when we will live in the overflow. Closing thought for tonight is this. is when we walk in obedience. Everybody say obedience. We live in the overflow. When we walk in obedience, we live in the overflow. You want to make an impact for your family? Obey what God is telling you to do. And you'll begin to see that the peace that God has given to you is spilling over to your children. You'll begin to see that the joy that God has given you is spilling over to your coworkers. That the joy God has given to you is spilling over to your brother and to your sister, to your aunt and to your uncles. Because that's true overflow. It's that it's not just about me. I realize this more than ever now that there's a baby on the way. That it's not about me anymore. That every time I say yes to Jesus that I'm affecting my children's life every time I say yes to Jesus, I'm affecting my wife's life. That every time I say yes to Jesus, there's an overflow to that. That my yes can lead to their breakthrough. That my obedience can lead to their miracle. That my obedience can lead to a direction in their life. And so I realize this now more than ever, that it's so important to say yes to Jesus. It's so important to obey his voice. It's so important to put down our pride and our ego. It's so important to say, God, less of me and more of you. It's so important because you don't know who you're affecting. You don't know what the impact that your yes is making. You don't know that there's a coworker watching every step that you take and because you've been obedient and you've been kind and you've been loving and you've been joyful, you're making an impact for their salvation. You don't even know it. That just being obedient can lead to the overflow let's just pray tonight father we thank you god for every person in this house we thank you jesus that right now father we're going to put down god every pride we're going to put down god every ego we're going to put down father everything that's holding us back from saying yes to you god right now in the name of jesus we break it right now in the name of jesus we remove it right now in the name of jesus we say those things have to be gone those lies have to disappear those god everything those curses have to be reversed father but we're walking in obedience We're not worried about what the people are saying. We're not worried about what society is saying. We're not worried about the world is saying. God, we're just worried about what you are saying, God, and we want to be obedient to your voice. We want to follow after your word. We want to follow after the things that you have for us, Jesus, because we want to live in the overflow. We want to live, Father, in the rivers of life. We want to live, Father, where we're able to impact the people around us, God. We want to be the light for the world. We want, to, God, to have fruit to impact our families, our friends, our co workers, God. We want our feedings to be a part, God, in the purpose that you have, Father. How can we be you? today? How can we be and not. How can we step out by faith, Father? Show us. Give us direction. We're willing, like naming to do something crazy. We're willing, like naming to do. be obedient to your voice, even if it's something that we don't even know fully about God. We want to submit. We want to be obedient. We want to say yes to you. No matter what is coming against us, no matter what weapon is formed against us, it shall not prosper. No matter what word is spoken against us, it won't come into fruition. But, Father, we say yes to your name. We say yes to your voice. We say obedience, God, to you. And we submit to you, Father, so that you can be our God and so that we can be your people. Come on, right now in this moment, come on, let's begin to worship Jesus together. Let's begin to say yes to him. In the name of Jesus, begin to stir up on the inside of you and let's sing together.